Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. Good morning, this is Terry Wickstrom, and what a beautiful day. You know, my neighbor, when I was pulling out of my driveway, he yelled, go have a good show. He was taking his daughter up to Joe Wright Reservoir to catch some grayling on uh, on flies. If you've never been up to Joe Wright, that is just a fantastic uh, little lake that is just full of these grayling. What a great opportunity that is to get out. But anyway, we're going to talk a lot of things today. We're going to talk fishing. We're going to talk hunting. We're going to even talk, believe it or not, during the show today, we're going to talk honeybees. What do you think of that? Honeybees, right? We'll talk about that just for a short segment. I think it's going to be interesting. We got so much going on. I do want to tell people that I will um, I will be uh, not here next week. I will be in Minnesota fishing. I don't want anybody to feel sorry for me. I'm doing this so I can check it out and report back to everybody. I don't want anybody to feel like, you know, feel sorry for me for the sacrifices I make, but uh, just the things I do. Yeah, right. Okay. So anyway, but we do have a lot going on today. Remember, follow us on Facebook, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, um, and send your questions to Ask the Expert. We're starting to get more Ask the Expert questions. You send in an outdoor question, hunting, fishing, camping, anything outdoors. If we answer it on the air, you get a $25 gift card from Sportsman's Warehouse. So we have so much going on. But right now, speaking of so much going on, I want to go right to the phones. And joining us is um, Will Dykstra from Tightline Outdoors. Good morning, Will. Morning, Terry. How are you today? I'm doing well, but apparently not as well as you've been doing with these big pike. Karen's been showing me on Facebook. She said you had one recently that you said maybe in the top three you've ever caught, and you've caught some huge pike. You know, we're, uh, Terry, we're in the heart of what is probably, and we say this time and time again on the show, you know, whatever season it is, we seem to say that's our favorite time of year to fish. But, uh, you know, the style of fishing we're doing right now is, is second to none is, as far as chasing trophy pike and uh, having the opportunity of catching a fish of a lifetime, but also, uh, in my opinion, the most exciting way to catch them. And that's uh, we're doing a lot of topwater fishing right now. And we did... Uh, I had a guest on my boat last Sunday catch a fish that was uh, forty. It was forty-two and a half inches, so not the longest fish we've ever seen for sure. But um, had a twenty-five and a quarter inch girth, oh. which is, I mean, you're you're talking, uh, you know, that's that you just don't see that very often. So to catch a a, a pike of that size and uh, you know be an hour and a half from the the Metro Denver area, you know, says a lot about what our pike fisheries have to offer here. Now you're you're absolutely right. In fact, um, we're going to talk some pike fishing later on with Stagecoach too, Reservoir. But we have some incredible pike fishing. You and I have been fortunate, Will. We've gotten to fish in a lot of places for big predators, and and I did a filming my television show. I fished for pike in Canada and Minnesota, Alaska, muskies in Wisconsin, um, you know, all over the country. You've done a lot of that same thing, and yet some of the best pike we catch are right here in our home state. You know, that's exactly right, and, it, and it's interesting. I actually have two guys on the boat today. I'm actually on Spinney right now as we speak. And I have a gentleman from Minnesota and a gentleman from Wisconsin, and, uh, you know, the quality of pike they've caught over the years up in those same areas are, uh, you know, about the same size of fish um, that we're catching here, and I would still argue um, that our fish are probably going to be 10 to 15% heavier too. So, 
you know, there's a lot of people that travel a lot of distances and go to Canada or Alaska or, or uh, you know, Minnesota to catch big pike and muskies. And we have some pretty phenomenal predator angling right here. And, uh, you know, it's basically a, uh, you know, with the ice fishing that we have, but it's a year-round deal if, uh, if you can hit the right fisheries at the right time. Oh, we have a number of lakes, too. Now, you do quite a bit on spinning and 11 mile. But I know Vallecito used to have a pretty good pike, pop, pike population. I'm not sure there. Navajo Reservoir has great pike. There's pike in uh, Stagecoach Reservoir, and Williams Fork, I believe, has some pike. Is that right? Yep, absolutely. Yeah. You know, we, we have probably 10 to 15 pike fisheries that have the potential of putting out a state record class fish, which is 30 pounds. You know, 30 pounds, 15 ounces is the, the kept state record fish, and... Uh, you know, that big one we caught this spring, uh, um, you know, if we'd have put it on a scale, I have, a, I imagine it would have uh, been a no-doubter um, as far as a, as far as another state record class fish. And you just don't hear about 30-pound pike being caught, you know, in the lower 48. Oh, and, no. uh, you know, that's, that's something that's pretty unique to our state. And, uh, you know, like I said, I fished Lake of the Woods my entire life, a lot of those other lakes in Minnesota. And, we just don't catch pike that, that are that size, the, the size that we're catching here up there with the same consistency that we do here. No, you're absolutely right. I mean, I, I used to say I grew up in northern Minnesota, and Karen reminds me that I just got older there. And by the way, I'm working without a net today, Will. Karen's not here. But I'll guarantee you she will, <laughs> she will during the course of this broadcast, text me to tell me something I did wrong. Because no matter what she's doing, she's paying attention. So I can't get away with absolutely. anything. Yeah. You know, hey, so, somebody got to look after. You, hey, so. Will, anybody who thinks I'm in charge of this show has never met Karen. <laughs> right, right. Ab- absolutely. And you know that absolutely. just from the, what she goes through during the week. Boy, if you don't get the information to her for the prep, she's relentless. Oh, yeah. She's relentless. Absolutely. Yeah, no, absolutely. She, she makes me look good. That's great. So I appreciate that. Yeah. She's a great partner. But anyway, you're absolutely right about the pike. I mean, I if I caught a 20-pound class pike in Minnesota, I was doing backflips. I was excited. I mean, and right. and and that's that was considered just a great fish, and then occasionally Absolutely. a bigger one would get caught. But I mean, anything in that forty inch range was considered wow. And you guys at Spinny, you regularly catch fish like that. You know, we're we're catching fish on a pretty consistent basis in that thirty eight to forty four inch range, and uh, you know, in this time of year, and we'll talk about that right now. I guess you know, the, this time of year, I said it's my favorite time of year to target them, and it's you know, it's because it's a very visual type of fishing. Um, it's, you know, the anglers in the boat are doing everything on their own. We're not trolling. We're not watching planter boards, which is a very effective way to catch them. But, uh, I mean, you know as well as anybody, catching a, a big fish on top water that's in that 15 to 20, 25, 30-pound range is uh, gets the heart pumping for sure. And nothing explodes on a top water the way a pike does. No, they're going so fast, and, it, you know, we're... Before I, I, I called in this morning, I was talking with my guests and they said, okay, so what are we today? And, you know, and some days it's like this, but, you know, we're, we're one for six now, one for seven um, on, on topwater strikes today, which is kind of a nature of the beast because these fish are going so fast. But uh, for those of you out there that are listening and that want to get after pike on topwater, um, you know, there's a couple of key points I want to make today while we're talking about it. And it's... Uh, you know, first of all, our pike fishing here, it, it's not a numbers game. You're, you're targeting a trophy fish, so you want to make the most of every opportunity that you, that you have. And with that said, when we're talking about topwater, super visual, you can pretty much see what's happening. 
the whole time. A lot of times you'll see the fish chasing the bait before they hit it, um, you know, which gets you really excited. So a couple things that I tell everybody that's on my boat, the biggest key to catching these fish on top water is waiting to feel those fish on the line. You know, these pike are pushing so much water with their mouth as they're chasing this bait that they're actually going to push that bait forward, sometimes up to two, three feet, even though your bait has disappeared and you feel like the fish has probably got that bait in its mouth. My, my kind of model on the boat is wait for wait. You know, so that's a big key. A lot of guys complain about the, the lack of hookups that you get on top water. And it is the nature of the beast because these fish are going, you know, 100 miles an hour when they're hitting these things. And, and a lot of times at that last second, they lose sight of the bait. So they might miss it. I mean, we had one last night miss the bait by two feet. Um, you know, and it's just because these fish just get going so fast. But when you do have these opportunities, it is so important to wait until you feel that fish take that bait before you set the hook because if you if you're going based on just what you see you're gonna be you're gonna go over for the day how many times fishing top water from pike have you actually seen them get the bait coming back down into the water as much as coming out from underneath it you know so that that big fish that we caught um earlier or last sunday um that fish was one of the first ones that i've seen accurately come out of the water and come back down on the bait and eat it. Now, the reason I say that that's the accuracy standpoint is because most anglers will be watching their bait and see a, you know, a 25 pound fish come out of the water. And your first instinct is to move, to react. And what you're doing is you're actually moving that bait out of the fish's wheelhouse. And now they're going to miss it. Now, um, the gentleman that caught that fish, um, we were actually kind of joking about how beautiful the sunset was that night and how we hadn't caught a big fish yet, so maybe we'll just have sunset pictures. And and because he was watching the clouds, probably has a big reason to do with the fact that he caught that fish because he didn't have the ability to overthink it or overreact to that fish chasing that bait. So, you know, but I'd say, you know, it's so visual, and, and these fish are going so fast, and they're hunting. You know, they're chasing these baits. They're, you know, most of these fish that we're, we're catching are targeting um, trout in the top two feet of the water column. You know, so more often than not, you catch these fish coming from underneath the bait and and eating it. But, um, you know, I'd say it's, I'd say probably one out of ten you'll get coming out of the water to hit the bait on the way down. I, but you know it happens. It happens a lot with muskies, though. I will say with with muskies that we've caught over the years up in Canada and Minnesota, those fish for whatever reason like to eat baits like that. I I had one time I was on a lake in Minnesota and I was I had a buzz bait coming in. And we were surface fishing, and I had a huge pike. I don't know how big it was. He came up and down over the top of that buzz bait three times while I was reeling it in. I never, he never touched it once. And you talk right. about something that you talk about, you know, getting your heart pounding. You don't even have to necessarily land that fish. Obviously hooking it up is the goal, but just to have that happen is just tremendous. Well, we got a minute or two left here. Tell what kind of baits do you suggest people use at this time of the year? And how long will this you know, topwater bite go? You know, so since we've seen this, the, you know, and it's going to, it's going to be different statewide. Um, typically the, the, this South Park, South, South Park topwater bite is typically done the last week of August. Now I, in my personal opinion, it's getting better and better every week right now. And I, and I attribute that to the fact that the perch population has exploded up here. Um, so you're seeing a lot of fish that are transitioning back and forth. I, I anticipate this bite to go, to be good here in South Park, probably until, 
September 10th, September 11th, that time frame, at least based on what, what history has told us in the past and looking back at my journal, um, that this fight should be good in South Park up until, you know, mid-September just about. But I will say this. there is there This time of year we start seeing a transition from the best time of day, and, and typically until mid to late August, that first hour and a half of the day is the best time of day you're going to have all season long to catch these fish. What we're starting to see is a lot of fish. Um, the water, it takes all day for this water to warm up, and, and the evening bite is starting to become better than the, than the morning bite. Um, this is probably the time of year where I'm going to start transitioning to saying, hey, let's, let's shoot for the afternoon if we're targeting a trophy pike. Um, the afternoon and evening, probably in the next uh, you know, week or so, is going to start doing better than the mornings. But still, we're looking at that first hour and a half to two hours of the day um, is best. And, you know, I tell people don't overthink it with these buzz baits. You know, we're catching these fish on everything from the dollar ninety nine buzz bait you can get at Walmart, you know, the cheapest buzz bait that is, you know, that, that's out there because these fish, it's just a reaction style bait. Um, I have noticed that there's probably a little higher percentage of these fish we've been catching on a buzz bait with a clacker on it, which is um, basically a um, something that's just making more noise off of the blades as you bring it in, that clacker, um, the clacker style buzz bait and those uh, white, greens, and blacks have definitely been uh, the top producers. And if you're looking at targeting pike all day, uh, we will slide out into deeper water as the sun gets higher, especially on flat calm days, and throw three-quarter to one-ounce spinner baits with uh, I, my per, my personal favorite is going to be a silver willow leaf or a gold willow leaf in that number seven size. And uh, you're basically just grinding those baits through the deep weeds and uh, targeting those pikes that are holed up in the weeds uh, in the high sun conditions. Last time I fished spinner baits in the high sun on spinny, I only got three fish, but they were all over 36 inches. <laughs> exactly. And that's, and that's what a lot of people have to understand. And, and I, and I tell a lot of guests on my boat is, you know, when we're, when we're pike fishing here, especially when we're tar- talking about trophy pike, I do compare it a lot to the musky fishing. And, you know, where you're fishing for a big fish, it's more of a hunt than it is a, uh, a fishing trip. And that's, uh, you know, kind of the theme of it is we're targeting these big giant predators. And, uh, you know, the hunt is on. And this is the time of year, in my personal opinion, um, maybe the best time of year to catch a big trophy pike casting that there is. Do you fish stagecoach at all? I, I have fish stagecoach. It's not something, you know. They're, they're coming up next on the show, and I just wondered if you had a quick tip for there. You know, and it's the same thing for there. Right now we're looking at a lot of uh, uh, the buzz baits are definitely a top producer there this time of year. I would also not overlook throwing trout-colored swim baits, um, big soft swim baits. That big savage gear line through has been a staple for a lot of guys up on the western slope there that are targeting pike. And uh, again, those low light conditions are always going to over are, are always going to produce um, better than midday. So if you're planning a pike trip anywhere, and, and even especially that stagecoach area, same thing on the Yampa River, Elkhead Reservoir, all those places, you want to be on the water before the sun's coming up. Um, you know, I'd say half hour before the sun's coming up, and you're going to put the odds, stack the odds in your favor to catch that trophy fish. All right. We're way out of time. I want to get to the next segment, but as always, Will, great information. If people want to go to get a hold of you, Tightline Outdoors, Facebook, and the web. Absolutely. That's the drill. All right. Thanks, Will. Good luck today. All right. Thanks, Terry. We'll talk to you later. You bet. That's Will Dykstra. And we're going to talk about a bunch of things in the next segment, but Pike will be part of it as we take you out to Stagecoach Reservoir. All that and more coming up after this time out. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Honey Smoked Salmon. 
The secret is in the fire. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sun Power Sports, Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer. Let's go right to the phones now. And joining us from uh, uh, Stagecoach Lake State Park, you heard us reference it in the last uh, the last segment is Andy Dean. Good morning, Andy. And we're going to talk about Stagecoach. It's a great place. If you've never been over to Stagecoach, over on the West Slope, just outside of Steamboat Springs, um, it's located, the park is located there. No, Andy, he's on there. I don't know what we've got going on with Andy. We'll bring him back. All right. We're going to call him back and rehook up with Andy. So we'll get that going here in a minute. And, you know, you heard um, Will talking about, uh, Will was talking about, um, Pike fishing right here in Colorado. He's at Spinney now, and he's catching giant fish. I mean, fish pushing 30 pounds. Well, the current state pike record comes out of uh, Stagecoach Reservoir, and that was 30-some pounds. And believe it or not, that was caught on a by a youngster fishing for trout with a, um, a power egg, I believe, and he landed that on light tackle. You talk about an amazing feat that was. And I've fished Stagecoach and Spinney for the Pike, and there's such great, great pike fishing in Colorado. Um, we'll see if we can get Andy back up here in a minute, and we'll, uh, we'll, um, we'll, 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 we'll have a chat with him because he's got other things. They've got some things going on. They've got a big Labor Day event coming on out there that he wants to tell us about. And the fishing in the river, we talk about fishing. Another aspect of the fishing there is the Yampa River right below, um, right, right below Stagecoach in the Yampa is an incredible tailwater fishery. Andy's online too. So let's go to Andy now. Andy, do we have you now? Terry, how are you? Nice to speak to you. Uh, it's, thank you for, I don't know what went on. We had a little technical difficulty, but I'm glad we we're able to hook up because I was just telling people how much I love Stagecoach Reservoir. Tell people maybe for that aren't from the area, Andy. Um, and and by the way, I got a feeling listening to you that you're not from Colorado. Not originally, not not originally. Like a big chunk of Coloradans, I'm um, a transplant, but I'm from Australia originally. Yeah, I, I thought that accent was maybe so like Minnesota. No, I'm just kidding. But um, tell people where Stagecoach Reservoir is located and uh, describe the park. So the park is an 820-acre reservoir with about 2,000 um, land acres around. It's in the Yampa Valley, and it's part of the um, upper Yampa River um, catchment. We are about 16 miles south-southeast of Steamboat Springs, so just south on 131. Um, we're about a three-hour drive from Denver. And what a great place to headquarter if you want to enjoy that steamboat area because not only do you have stagecoach you've got steamboat and pearl you've got everything going on in steamboat springs itself yet you can come back out and camp at the lake and and just get away from everything and be outdoors and enjoy the fishing and the trails what what kind of camping availability do you have do you have a number of sites yeah, we do. We have 92 um, campsites plus a group camping area if you've got a large bunch of folks coming up. Um, there's a mixture of everything from primitive sites to sites right on the water. Um, none of our sites are full hookup, but we have about 40 electric sites. Um, there's a dump station, water available for those folks with with RVs, and then there's a full campus services facility building showers and that kind of thing for those folks that, that don't have a complete setup that they travel with. Now, it's a beautiful area, and the lake itself is actually managed for a combination of trout and pike. So you get some very large pike there, and you get some great 
trout also. And then, of course, you have um, what's going on uh, below the um, below the tailwaters too. Before we, uh, I know you have an event coming up, but before we get to that, what's going on with the fishing right now? Fishing's fantastic at the moment. So you just mentioned the tailwaters fishing, um, and that went through the whole tailwaters area went through a, a sort of a, a rehabilitation project uh, four or five years ago now, and it's really showing some fantastic um, results. So if you get out there early in the morning or late in the evening, um, that's a great way to beat the crowds. Um, down there, we've seen fish rising um, in the evening to um, some cat attaches, that kind of thing, particularly on um, some of our overcast, stormy days at this time of year. Um, if you're going to be down there, the fish can be a little spooky, so uh, make sure you're fishing like the 6X fluorocarbon um, tippet, you know, real small indicators um, because, uh, yeah, they're... You have to work hard down there. Some of the uh, the patterns we've seen working well, RS2s, some zebra midges, um, black beauties, that kind of thing are going well. And for the dry fly fishermen like the headlight caddis, brook sprout, um, some of the griffith gnats are going pretty well in the tailwaters. As far as in the reservoir, um, the pike fishing is probably, and I, I heard your uh, your previous guest talking about down at Spinney, and the, the pike fishing is, is really starting to heat up here, and we're getting into one of the re- best times of year to be out chasing pike. Um, I was spent a bunch of time out on the reservoir yesterday spoke, speaking to folks, and, and they were saying they were having good luck as far as the pike go on... Um, some spin baits and jerk baits, um, and then the the frog crayfish and some of the large um, soft fish type lures were doing really well. Um, limited success on buzz baits, and then um, and the, the best spots at the moment are over in Morrison Cove, so sort of on the south shore of the reservoir, and in the aptly named Pike Cove as far as pike fishing goes. And then there's been a mix for the trout fisheries. This is a great trout fishery. We have. Uh, predominantly rainbows, but there's um, some pretty good-sized browns kicking around out there as well. Um, rainbow fishermen, as far as spin fishermen, um, panther martins, cast masters, bronze, so the bronze-coloured cast masters have been going well. Um, and then we're also, and then for our bait fishermen, power bait, night crawlers, that kind of thing have all been going, going now, well. Now, in addition to the great fishing, uh, Labor Day weekend, you're going to have some really great reasons to come to the park. You have an event. Tell us about that. We are. So it's sort of the final round of our summer education series, and we have three great events going on. Um, Starting on the Saturday night, we have um, District Wildlife Manager Andrea Sponzilla is going to be coming down. She'll be doing an evening program at 6 p.m. in our Yampathita area, so we'll have a fire going overlooking the reservoir. She's going to be talking about um, moose in our area, you know, and uh, their habitat um, preferences, some of their characteristics, that kind of thing, living in moose country, which we obviously do up here. And then going into hunting season, um, talking about, um, for for our hunters, you know, easy ways to to make sure you get your correct target identification because every year there's a few um, moose harvested accidentally when folks are hunting for elk. Then on the Sunday um, afternoon at 4.30, we're going to have an archery clinic. It's all ages. We have a great setup of uh, Genesis compound bows. They're fairly light draw weight, so we can wind them down for from ages. If the, if the child is old enough to hold the bow, um, so four-year-olds can hold these, they can, they can get involved. Um, we have 3D targets. We have some field archery block targets. 
that's a great way to get out and, and enjoy a, a new sport with the the whole family. And then on Monday, in the morning, we have the folks from the Front Range from Hawk Quest coming up. They're going to have a, a live bird raptor um, program. There'll be a golden eagle, a Harris hawk. Hopefully, they're bringing up the turkey vulture as well. Um, and in, in addition to the educational component and getting to see those impressive birds up close, there'll be a, a live flight demonstration as well. So, you'll get to see them in action. So, and that's, that's going to be our, our wrap-up for the summer, and we're very excited. And that's Labor Day weekend. And is there, other than a Parks Pass, is there any charge for the events? No, all programs are free with a Parks Pass, you know. And the great thing about that is you've got an annual pass on your vehicle. You can come on in. A day pass is $7, and, and that's for the vehicle. So if you ride your bike or walk in, there's no charge. And, and, you know, if you fill up that car, it's really good value. Well, and if you get over there, if you stay at the park, I don't know, it's probably got, might be full, but even if you can stay nearby in town or something, take advantage, do some fishing. What a great opportunity. Andy, thank you so much for joining us. Hopefully lots of people will get over there and, and enjoy that program. Thank you very much, Terry. I appreciate your time. You bet. We're going to go right back to the phones. And, Ray, let's hook up a camper and head down there and catch a 30-pound <laughs> pike, and we'll go and we'll watch that. The raptors would be so fun to watch. It'd be a good weekend for it, Terry. That sure sounds good, doesn't it? Oh, wow. I tell you what. You know, and, and that's another thing. You know, school's starting. And, by the way, we're talking to Ray from Adventure Camper. Ray, school starts, and we see so many people start putting their RVs away. We've got some of the best weather the campgrounds aren't going to be as full. And well, some you're, of the- you're singing my tune. That's absolutely it. I think September is the best camping weather in Colorado. Um, and, yeah, Stagecoach, that's one of our um, most visited sites and campgrounds with all of our customers. It's a fantastic place to go to. Well, it really is. You know, you get, uh, you know, and it's September, even October, you get into the most stable. Typically, you know, can you get a bad day? You can get a bad day any day in Colorado. But you get the stable weather. You get warm days, you get those crisp mornings, the fishing is fantastic, and it's not as crowded. And you might be lucky enough to hear some elk starting to bugle towards the end of the month. Oh, you're absolutely right. So what else is going on at Adventure Camper? Well, uh, we still got campers available for Labor Day weekend next weekend. So if anybody out there wants to get one last uh, good long weekend for the summer, we've still got some campers to be able to help you do that. But call us right away. Um, and those uh, are rentals. With, you're talking rentals. That's on the rentals. And then uh, we've got good sales right now. Fall's the best time of year to get a good deal on buying a camper. So we've got good uh, savings on any of our campers right now if somebody's out there looking to buy a new one. Tell them where they find you, Ray. We are at adventurecamper.com on the web, and if you want to come visit us, we're here until 4 o'clock today. We're near the intersection of Arapahoe and Jordan on East Davies. All right, my friend, we will talk to you next week. All right. Thanks, Harry. You bet. That was Ray from Adventure Camper. Great partner. If you haven't ever checked them out, go online and check them out because they are just fantastic. Terry Oakstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sun Power Sports, Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sportsman's Warehouse, America's premier outfitter. I want to get right to the phones, and we're going to talk about a subject a little bit a little bit different uh, than we normally cover. Uh, joining us from Pueblo Reservoir, we have uh, Clayton Chrysler. Good morning, Clayton. Good morning. How are you, Terry? I'm doing great. You know, and we're going to talk of uh, something interesting, and that's honeybees. And, you know, people have been following the news and reading about conservation over the last few years, the honeybees, at least in the U.S., I think worldwide, I'm not sure, but in the U.S. have been declining. They're kind of the canary in the coal mine for knowing what's happening to our outdoor environment, aren't they? That's right. 
Um, and you are correct, the honeybee population has been declining uh, worldwide, actually. Um, and it's uh, several things that, reasons for that. Um, the number one being pesticide use. Um, but there's, there's a bunch of other contributing factors to it, but probably definitely number one would be the pesticide use. Now, why should I care as an outdoorsman? What, what do the honeybees do for me? Well, honeybees are so important to the ecosystem. I mean, um, they contribute to I, somewhere around a third, around 30% or so of the world's pollination. Um, so, you know, all our fruit trees, I think they, they're around like 13 billion dollars annually they provide to the U.S. in um, providing food and the sales and stuff, you know, being able to pollinate apples and almonds and all that good stuff. Um, but uh, they're, they're a huge stabilizer in the ecosystem, and uh, it's, uh, it's important we have them around. Now, you've got some good news. You're from the Pueblo Reservoir State Park area, which not only has a reservoir. We talked quite a bit about the fishing there last week, which is on fire right now. The water levels are fantastic. The fishing is good. It's also a large land area and, of course, a riparian area, so there's lots of vegetation in some of it. And you're actually seeing a really healthy increase in the honeybee population this year. I am. Um, and it's there's been a bunch of honeybees around the park that I've been seeing. Um there's a lot of, uh, you know, sunflowers on the park um, due to all the rain we've been getting this year. There's sunflowers, uh, yellow and sweet clover on the park. Um, the park is known for a bunch of wildflowers um, that are out. So the honeybees um, are flourishing right now. Now, if I want to get out and walk the trails and look at, um, look at the vegetation and maybe enjoy seeing the honeybees, first of all, how do I tell a honeybee from like a yellow jacket or a wasp? Yeah, so honeybees are obviously a lot smaller than a yellow jacket or wasp. Um, they are kind of the same color, but they're they more got they're more hairy looking. Um, and the reason for that is the hair on them is so they can collect pollen um, and stuff from flowers. Um, wasps and yellow jackets are more slender and shiny looking. And uh, you know, like I said, they're a lot bigger than now, a honeybee would be. Now, when I when I'm observing honeybees, I can actually uh, you don't want to you don't want to annoy them, but you can get pretty close because they're not real aggressive, are they? Not like a wasp or a yellow jacket. No, uh, if if you see you know honeybees gathering you know nectar or whatever on flowers, you can you can literally, I mean, you can touch the flower next to it and it ain't gonna bother you. All that honeybees worried about is is gathering nectar and and pollen for the hive. I mean, you do have to be careful because wasps aren't quite so friendly. Exactly, yeah. Wasps are, are notorious for being a lot more aggressive and and uh, stuff. But if it's honeybees and you know it's a honeybee, he ain't going to bother you. He's just out there collecting pollen and nectar. Now, when the, when you're out looking at the honeybees, well, you know, another thing, you're it's kind of a hobby of yours. That's why you're paying such attention to the the increased honeybee population at the park this year. And you actually ha keep a couple hives. Is that something easy to do if people want it? Is it a good hobby? It is, and it's a lot of fun too. Um, your reward is, you know, you're you're helping, you know, contribute to the to the uh, success of the honeybee um, by keeping honeybees, and you're, you know, you also get a little bit of reward every year from it from the honey they collect. Um, it's an easy hobby to get into. Um, it's not hard to keep bees. Um, I have several coworkers that I work with on the park that they're they're looking into getting honeybees, and uh, it's it's really easy and easy to learn. 
Um, it's not all that expensive. You can build your own material if you don't want to buy it, as far as, you know, the boxes and all that stuff that it requires. Um, but it's, it's, it's a lot of fun, and it's really, really rewarding. Now, natural hives from honeybees, how far do they roam, and how can I, can I identify a hive from a honeybee out in nature? Yeah, so um, honeybee hives are typically um, inside, you know, a concealed area, whether it be a, a hollowed log or, you know, inside, you know, a hollowed-out tree. or They're, they're usually inside, um, concealed away from the weather and the elements. Um, if you do see, um, you know, a, a big group um, of, of bees flying around in one area, there's probably a good chance there's a hive where, they are, where they're flying around. They're coming in and out of the entrance to the hive whether it be, you know, it could be on the side of a cliff or, you know, anything where they can, they've got a hollowed-out area where they, where they uh, store their comb and such. Um, but uh, How far do they roam from the hives? Yeah, they're... they'll roam within, oh, give or take, but roughly around three miles um, radius of their hive. They'll, uh, they'll roam. So we've got either wild hives on the park right now or... Um, Hives that are, you know, people, beekeepers, that local beekeepers that have them in their yard, or I think it's a combination of both. That's awesome. Well, that's really interesting, and it's good news for the environment to see the increase over there, and kind of an interesting topic, a little off what we normally cover, but really interesting. And, you know, a lot of the people that listen to the show, they get outdoors, and they just want to walk the trails and look at the flowers, and now we maybe they can kind of notice the honeybees and add that to their enjoyment. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And one thing I also want to touch on, too, is, is you know, all the rain. You know, with all the rain we've been getting comes, you know, weeds and all the other pests we don't want in our yard. Um, if, if, if people are doing any spraying, just be mindful of what you're spraying, you know. I mean, like I said, pesticides is one major um, downfall of the honeybee right now, and it's due to, you know, the, the, the uh, pesticides get on the pollen and the, they bring the pollen back to the hive, and that's how it all happens. But just be mindful of what you're spraying, you know, no, no. You know, try weed-eating stuff more or pulling weeds more than spraying them. I know it's a little bit more work, but it's going to help the honeybee in the long run. All right, Clayton, thank you so much. That was very interesting. You're welcome, Terry. Thanks for having me on. You bet. Clayton from Pueblo Reservoir. A little off-topic. You know, we cover more hunting and fishing, but interesting. And, you know, remember, this whole outdoor environment, the whole ecosystem is tied together, and it's important that we understand how it reacts. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sportsman's Warehouse, America's premier outfitter. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Honey Smoked Fish Company, Smoked Salmon. The secret is in the fire. We're going to go right back to the phones now. And joining us from, well, if you haven't been living in a cave lately, you've probably seen radio, TV, um, advertising, and magazines for something called MOTV, My Outdoor TV. And joining us to kind of explain what's going on with that is Sean Luxton. Good morning, Sean. Good morning, Terry. How are you? You know what? What a beautiful day. Is this why we live in Colorado? Absolutely. You know, a lot of people probably don't understand that MOTV is headquartered right here in Denver. Yeah, that's right. We're right near the Pepsi Center. And just fantastic. And uh, people have been seeing it. People have asked me about it. They say, what's MOTV? Tell us what, how would you describe MOTV to people? So I think the easiest way to describe it is to say it's very much like Netflix. And Netflix is, of course, a ton of content, and uh, it's something you pay for every month. And MOTV is the same, although it's entirely different because we are only hunting, fishing, and shooting content. Now, will I see anybody good on there, or you just got a bunch of second raters? 
Well, we, we got one first rater, and that's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. I think <laughs> you may you may know the show. Um, so if you've ever watched uh, Outdoor Channel or Sportsman Channel or World, World Fishing Network, you're going to know a lot of the content. Um, you know, we got 10,000 episodes, and so whatever you're looking for, you're going to find it. And, and, you know, what we're trying to do is get the, really the best of the outdoor space. So, Well, a good friend of mine, I'm watching him in the studio right now on Altitude, Chad Lachance, is, he's featured on there. Um, and, and I was only kidding, obviously. There's a tons of great programming. I personally know a lot of the guys, shows that are on there. This is first rate, some of the best outdoor programming there's ever been. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, the other piece of that is, um, you know, what we're trying to give people the content they want from the, the host they love. But the other thing we like is that you can go back a long time and find, uh, you know, other content from those hosts. So if you love, um, you know, Chad Lachance and he had an episode in, uh, you know, wherever, you can search that episode, search that species of fish, search that location, and you're going to find that content. But you're also going to find some other content that you didn't know. So if you're, as you mentioned earlier, if you're going elk hunting, you can type in elk hunting Colorado and get four or five different episodes. And a couple of them you're going to know and a couple of them you're not. And so we hope people are going to discover a lot of content here that um, they may not have seen elsewhere. Well, and a lot of it is pretty recent and new, almost new. And there's some ex- exclusive content for you. But there's things like my, my show, you know, we quit filming a couple of years ago. We've got about 300 episodes, 40 of which are up on MOTV right now. And I'm sure we're going to be adding probably a couple dozen more here in the future. And, you know, who knows? how many we'll eventually have up. But what we've done is we went through and re- repurposed and made sure that if we went to a lodge, that we made sure that lodge was still in operation and those amenities were available. If we talked about a technique, maybe we updated that technique with a little bit of footage inside of it. So there's a lot of great content out there. And, you know, I was kidding about first rate, and obviously I, I'm very proud to be part of MOTV, but I, I wouldn't do MOTV just for me, even if it was me. But when you've got all this available, and one of the things I like is... Um, the way you can download a take with you. People who listen know I'm on airplanes. You know, I flew 80,000 miles last year, Sean. I spent a lot of time on airplanes. And the people know, you. if you like YouTube and a lot of sites and things, you can't download that and take it with you. Yeah. MOTV, you can. No, absolutely. And, you know, and that's a real treat for people to be able to, um, number one, find exactly what you want, and number two, download it to your phone and, uh, and watch it. And, you know, for sure in the airplane, it's good to have, but also if you're in a blind or on the water and you don't have, um, don't have Wi-Fi, you can download whatever you want. Well, you're going to a, a site and download three or four episodes that kind of pertain to the hunting or fishing. You might be out in the wilderness somewhere, take your iPad or your, your Android tablet or whatever you want and just you watch those episodes in that evening or that morning, get you a little juiced up for the next day and pick up a few tips. Absolutely. And the, um, you know, the, uh, the one thing that people, you know, we get a lot of feedback on people who um, are finding kind of shoulder programming. So if you, you know, if you just love elk, you're going to find that, but then you're going to, there's so much content there. You can find something that's, that if you've been anxious to learn about, you're going to find that and be able to learn about that too. I, I don't, you know, I wrote for In Fisherman magazine for years, especially the walleye insider. And In Fisherman, which is one of the premier programs, has a lot of content on the channel. And and Doug Stangy and I are good friends. And I last time I was in an airplane, I, I downloaded a bunch of the In Fisherman stuff. And not only did I get a, a lot of refreshers on things, but it was kind of fun to see Doug and some current stuff and some older stuff and being covered. And, and it kind of puts you back in touch with a lot of the outdoor, a lot of outdoor personalities. Their shows only run part of the year. And 
you, you know, you kind of feel like you become their friend whether you know them or not. And you get these guys talking to you and you can go look at that content. It's almost like sharing the outdoors with a buddy. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's the closest you're going to – maybe some people will get to having Terry Wickstrom in the boat beside you. You know, he could be in the airplane seat with you. So how do I subscribe to MOTV? Where do I find it? What's the process? So uh, if you want more information on it, you can, uh, on whatever device you have, just type in My Outdoor TV or MOTV and it will pop up. And if you want to try it, it we've got a, uh, a seven-day free trial so you can uh, see if you like it and check out all the content. It's available on Android, Apple, and desktop. Um, and so just go to MOTV.com and, and you'll see. And we've got a whole bunch of video clips there that you can see of all the hosts we have. Uh, so in addition to those platforms, we are launching fairly soon on, on Roku and Apple TV. And anyone who watches TV these days, there's a ton of changes in the market. And, and you know, one of the changes is people want content whenever they want it. They want it wherever they want it. And MOTV will allow you to do that. And we're, you know, slowly trying to get on every single platform, just like Netflix. But um, for now, Apple, Android, and, uh, and any browser. Well, you know, uh I've been in the outdoor media for four decades, and I'm only 35, which is hard to believe. But I've been a writer. I've been on TV. I've been on radio. Um, just done, of course, the social media and all those types of things. And I've really seen this change. And it's not necessarily how you get it. It's the content you get. And that's what has me excited about um, MOTV is the fact that here's the content that me as an outdoor enthusiast, an avid outdoorsman, you know, I could look through TV stations and websites, and here it's yeah. all in one place, the content that I'm really looking for and enjoy. Although I, I don't advise taking the one-week trial and binge-watching all 40 episodes of The Best of Fishing with Terry Wickstrom. It's better in small doses. <laughs> <laughs> Save yourself a treat a week for a little while. Yeah. <laughs> but so one more time, how do they find it? So go to myoutdoortv.com and you can sign up for a seven-day free trial. Uh, and I'll, I'll just let out uh, the pricing for everybody. It's it's nine ninety-nine a month, and if you want to do an annual um, subscription, it's ninety-nine ninety-nine. All the content is exclusive. So as you said, Terry, you can hunt and peck uh, to find this and that, and maybe of um, not the quality you're looking for. All our stuff is great, exclusive, and uh, nine ninety-nine a month. Well, I'll tell you what I do. Um, when I'm coming up on a certain type of fishing I'm going to do, I just go search for programs or go to guys that I know cover that type of water, and I bring up some shows, and I, it kind of gets me juiced up. It, it also kicks me in the butt to remind me of some of the things that maybe I wasn't, you know, you lose your focus and things like that, and gets you all ready and, and maybe gives you a tip on some new gear or another technique. It's just incredible for me. I just love it. And don't tell Chad, but I watch his stuff quite a bit. Me, me too. And, and you know, I, I think that's a really good point. It's really inspire and educate. So if you want to just be inspired because you can't get out, great. And if you want to learn how to do better next time you're out, it's also great. Well, and remember that um, I did two programs, uh, Mountain States Fishing and Angling Adventures. Mountain States Fishing was within a day's drive of Denver. Chad does probably 80% of his content right yeah. here in the local region. So between those two shows alone, you've got just probably over 100 episodes of just fishing right here in your backyard. Yeah, and then if you want to do the aspirational stuff and see what it would be like to be fishing in Costa Rica today, we got a lot of that too. I got three shows, two or three of Costa Rica on the site, so that's perfect. Sean, I'm going to go look for them right now. One of them is sailfish, and I hate to say it, but Karen catches these huge sailfish. It makes me look bad. <laughs> but that happened quite a bit. Sean, thanks for joining us, and uh, we'll get you back on again because I think this is a great 
place, My Outdoor TV. You're going to see it advertised everywhere, folks. Get on, get online and check it out. It's just great content. Thanks, Sean. Thanks a lot, Terry. You bet. That's Sean uh, Luxon from My Outdoor TV. And uh, what a great service that is. I'm so proud to be part of it. Um, you know, my television shows aired on Altitude, which are part now of the uh, Sportsman's and Outdoor Channel family. And Chad Lachance, of course, is on both World Fishing Network and Altitude. And there's just, I mean, Bill Dance and In Fisherman and Hank Parker. There's just so many great, great outdoor enthusiasts on, on the channel. And the hunters, so the big names in hunting, you'll just love it. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Honey Smoked Fish Companies. Honey Smoked Salmon, the secret is in the fire.